From Potomac Fund Management, this is the Conquer Risk Podcast. Join us as we discuss the business of running an RIA firm and the practice of investment management. And now, our hosts. Welcome to the Conquer Risk Podcast. You know, Manish, it's it's something that, uh, obviously, it's this time of year, right, where yeah, we've created our fact sheets, right? Everybody has to do that sort of thing, and and that is you know, that is a weak, a weak intro. You don't want to tell them. I mean, that's the like the worst you've ever All done. Right. All right, let's start again. Watch this. Right, go. And now our hosts. What the hell do people care about calendar year returns? Why is it the first question I get asked almost every time I get a call is, "What'd you do last year?" Right, that's the topic that you wrote a blog post on recently, calendar year returns um, and the dangers of. Well, that's what we're going to talk about because clearly we've hit, we struck a nerve with that. Um, and and from this stage, you know, yes, we have to create calendar year return information on our fact sheets along with the trailing year and some other statistics like Max Drawdown. But but this is a subject that falls a little bit in kin with the uh, you know how to find a good manager discussion as well. So. Yeah, I know this is a pet peeve of yours. Tell me a little bit about why you find calendar year returns well, on, to be but we don't, an annoying. We don't have to. You know, like we, uh, I don't know if you recall, but we used to, actually prior for, from uh, to you coming here, we, we had monthly returns and calendar year returns listed on the fact sheet. And yeah. then, you know, we would get questions like what happened in September of, you know, 2004, hypothetically or whatever. And, you know, it got to the point where we were just, why, why are we answering these questions? Like, why do we have monthly or annual? So we took it off. And I remember, you know, when we were working together at your prior firm, you're like, hey, you know, right. pe- you got questions about it. Now just like trying to like duck and hide and avoid answering it. But the point is like people kept asking, asking, asking. So we decided finally to put it back on. Yeah, I think it's, I think part of my, part of, and, and again, it's a pet peeve for both of us, really. Part of my, my issue isn't that the question is asked, because I think the question is valid, as long as it comes with some other questions as well, right? Um, and, and it's, again, it's not about us trying to hide from a particular return or a portfolio or anything like that. It's a matter of the questions that don't get asked are things like, well, how, how did you do relative to the, the benchmark you're trying to get to or the objective? Right. Or telling us that you have an objective and asking us, what do we have anything that, you know, might fit in that situation? Um, How did you get to what you did? Did you deviate from your process to get that return? These are all questions that that don't typically get asked. It's how did you do last year? Because something, a coronavirus, a you know, a Christmas meltdown or whatever happened. And they want to see how we did for that little itty bitty short term period. And well, and you also know it's, like, it's a red flag because it's a performance yeah. chasing red flag when when the first question is, well, how are you doing so far this year or how you did last year? And it's such an arbitrary number. It's 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 essentially meaningless. Well, you know, what I find funny is I've had like I will occasionally get an email through our, our website. Right. Like, can you give me the fact sheet for X? Or what's the what's the return for you know how did you do last year in a particular portfolio, and I have I have a number of times responded with I'd love to talk to you about that here's a link you know schedule some time and I'll provide the information and such and such, and most advisors don't want to have any part of that, just give me the damn fact sheet. Yeah, <laughs> like like the numbers tell you everything you need to know. 
I, you know, I'd say if you look on a dating app, if you just want some a girl who's five foot four, is that the end marker? You don't want to know anything else uh, about her. Well, that's I mean, that's yeah, and that's that's sort of the red flag <laughs> with with this. And a great example is is the 2018-19 experience, right? We yeah. we we ended the year with that 20% decline, and if you are a risk manager, you you know hopefully you know put some protections in place to cup to mitigate from that. And then the bottom of that 20% decline was, I think, January 4th. So you perfectly lined up the bottom of a 20% decline with uh, what ended up being a 31% year, a rally from there, right? right? But most of that year, you actually spent making up for that 20% decline. So this is where the, 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 the annual returns start messing with people's minds because let's say that you were positive in 2018 or or protected or went out and then you were late to get back in not late but that's part of your process you know so now you have that's the key right there it's a process process. so now you have one year which started at a bottom that you may or may not be trailing if you're a risk manager and then the flip side so it's just so arbitrary you know to look at anything on a calendar year basis but we consistently get calls, so we figure we, you know, we, we, you know, we're here not to, you know, talk shit. We just want to help people and, and and understand that this is not the best way to look at any investment, right? Right, right. And and I I will say that the, uh, there is a caveat. I I do understand, uh, and I actually enjoy when I get a, a somebody who who calls and and will say, you know, ask about two or three different years relative to they're trying to understand the experience if you ask me how we did on something in 2008 and and 2000 2001 and you know you've got two or three different periods then then i'm okay with that because you're starting to i can tell it you're starting to try and understand what the process is and the experience and we've talked about that before but that's more often than not 90 percent well, of the time it's yeah, what you I do mean, last year and that's <laughs> the questions are like you know like as a risk manager like what'd you do in 2008 and i'm like who, who cares like, well, how about before and after, high to low, you know, three, five, ten. Right. And, and so I want to I want to touch on an actual example. And, and I always yeah, yeah, bring this up. It. You and I talk about this all the time with Berkshire Hathaway. Right? Yep. Warren Buffett is arguably considered one of the best investors of all time. You know, people have different opinions on that. But let's assume that, you know, he's one of the better, right? Top ten investors of all time. Yeah, I go and that. you look back, he was famously... You know, he's a value guy and the, the, the tech bubble or their valuations got, you know, insane for him. And in 1999, let me get these actual stats. 1999, Berkshire Hathaway was down roughly 22 percent with the S&P up 20 percent. Now, if you just take that year in isolation as your due diligence method, you would likely avoid that stock. Right. The year <laughs> oh, before. There's, wait, time out. There is no likely. Okay, Nobody yes, in their would, right but, mind who looks would. at what you do last year would say, oh, no, I get it. It's part of his process. Don't worry about it. They're down yeah, 20 like, and the market's <laughs> up 20. My clients are good with that because I, yeah. I tell them to just stay invested. It's okay. Yeah. Well, no. that, yeah. All right. That doesn't happen. All right. Well, well, so the year before, you know, they're up 52 with the S&P 28. The following year, they're in 2000, they're up 28 with the S&P town 10. And so... Within that three-year period, there's obviously outperformance of the S&P, and S&P is their benchmark. Uh, and and it just it, the point is like you, you just can't take one year in isolation and and decide to make your decision on whether you're going to use that investment product, stock, mutual fund, or whatever it may be. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, you know, it's it's that way with a lot of things. Look, it's not our product and Warren Buffett's product. It's it's that concept overall is it's it, you're going to do a lot better if you understand the process. Uh, uh, that'll help you understand the product and what the objective is. And then some of these individual spots, you know, start to make sense. Because, again, it's, it's all about the, look, the better the client experience, the more likely the client is to stay engaged. The more the client stays engaged, the more uh, the advisor will stay engaged. Well, and so, we, we come off, you and I sometimes can come off a little flippant because, yeah. you know, we, you want to answer the question. You're getting asked a question. We appreciate the, the you know, the chance Absolutely. to to present. Um, but there's times where you get a question like, you know, like I said, what did you do in one particular year, you know, 15 years ago? And it's just irrelevant to, to any longer term sort of expectations of, of what a client should, should do. I, I don't know. It's my two cents. Yeah. Well, it's a, it, look, it, like I said, it, it's funny that I, I mentioned, you know, a dating app earlier. It's the same sort of thing. It, there's, there are some questions you want to lead with some you don't. And this is one that I, I think is not a question that you lead with because if you haven't taken the time to understand the rest of how they got there, then the number by itself is totally irrelevant. But that's our opinion, right? I mean, that's the point, right? We're just giving you our take on on this process. So, I mean, you know, in the in the scheme of things, uh, you had uh, you had asked me a question a, a couple of weeks ago, and I thought it would be a, an interesting one. Um, you want to fire away and and do that in this uh, podcast as well. Yeah, it was on one of the, the commentary, uh, market commentaries, and we'll put in the show notes um, uh, a yeah. link to, to that landing page so you can look, sign up if you're, if you're not already a, a member. And essentially, I was uh, uh, you know, on Microsoft Teams messaging you, and I said, hey, you know, past 20 years, what's the best performing asset class? The S&P 500, uh, emerging markets, gold, or real estate? Yeah, well, I'm smart enough to know that if you ask me that question, it sure shit isn't going to be the U.S. market. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I've been in the business since 1995, and and I seriously did a, I had a hesitation. I was like, I. Yeah, but hold hmm. on, I did also. I asked you in December, and recency bias is a real thing with annual returns. The S and P was up 31 percent. So yeah. I know you didn't want to answer U.S. stocks, but I think you might have. <laughs> no, I think I did like emerging market. I thought, all right, let's let's give that a whirl. Which I mean, was it was last. really a, th- a throwing, throwing darts. Yeah, well, you know, there's a reason that, yeah, so. Well, anyway, the point is, like, so it, bring it back now, to By now, advisors right? who are listening or watching to this should have already in their mind, the wheels are turning, the little mouse is, is like, scurrying through there, and they should have some formulated, some sort of an answer. So, I Well, all right, so look, that. I mean, it's, it's real estate by a long shot. Uh, believe it or not, gold and the S&P 500 – are, are almost identical in terms of performance. Um, if you do just the price of the S&P without total returns, because gold obviously doesn't have any dividends, uh, gold, I think, is slightly better. Uh, but the point is, you know, if you pick on one or two you know, annual return numbers that you're fixated on, you'll miss something like that over a 20-year period. Uh, right. The flip side of that is something like Europe, which we kind of mentioned in that same podcast where it's been 20 years and the return has been zero, um, but you can point to any number of years. And you had an example with the S&P as well, right? Yeah. yeah. So I thought this was funny just the way as we're talking about calendar year returns. So I did a little research. And if you look at the first day of the year, January 3rd, 2000, the S&P uh, total return is 1455.22, all right? 
Now, people talk about the lost decade, and we used to have a marketing piece about that. But if you go all the way to January 2nd of 2013, the first opening day there, it was 1462.21. These are from Y charts. So that was the first day after it never touched that 1455 spot again. So it's just a little bit ironic that it came out to be the very beginning. So you can look backwards, right, at the full calendar years of those 13 full years, and you got nowhere. Yeah. And that's the S&P 500. That, we're in a historically long bull run, right? Most of that period was, in fact, bull run. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's it is what it is, right? The numbers don't lie. It's uh, It took a little bit to do the, the find the data, but sure enough, it just happened to be the beginning of those two years is where you find that line. And, yeah. uh, you know, it got a little bit above, and then it'd fall back, got above, fall back. And, and look, that's what we really want, right? We want to find somewhere and then just keep going forward and not keep retreating. So, yeah, that's just a little bit of a, uh, an S&P uh, throwback for you. Yep. But anyway, all right, let's 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 sum this up a bit. I mean, ultimately, what we're trying to say, right? The question of calendar year returns it, by itself is not a very valid request. Well, here, you let me to let's, have some let's take it to it. from a, Yeah, for let's, per, perspective is the best word you could put right here. From a money yeah. management perspective, I talk to people all the time, where, 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 you know, whether it's advisors or other managers, and they'll bring up one point, for example, you know, the percentage of stocks below their 200-day moving average. Let's just pull that out as an example. Great. It's true. Your data may be true, and it may fit your narrative, but it's absolutely pointless because there's about 500 other things that you should take into account. And so it's it's the headline bias as well, right? Something, something, something happens. You know, manufacturing declines, unemployment. Same thing. I, I, this is the best analogy I can come up with. You know, same thing with calendar year returns. It's one headline that is meaningless to the entire picture. It's meaningless to your client's financial plan. It's even more meaningless to future returns uh, and, and what the expectations and the process should be. So, you yeah. know, don't ever focus on one item regardless of what you're looking at. Yeah. Well, and right now it's coronavirus. Ooh, hey, yeah. uh, it's a you know it's kind of a scary thing psychologically. Yes, it's a scary thing. But look, until it affects the data, there's no investment. And I think you're silly to try and take some investment target to to wade through the waters to figure out how to get a go around the coronavirus. I mean, uh, but like, let's done uh, well, what do you think they're completely lying about the data? Because I do. It's hard telling. I mean, look, the cruise we just came off of a few weeks ago, I mean, there was, and at first I didn't realize it because I hadn't noticed the corona stuff before we got on the cruise. And then afterwards I got the news and realized this lady was wearing glasses that were about this big. Yes, she was of some Asian descent, so I'm not just a ballpark, right? She's got these huge glasses and a mask thing that went all the way down, halfway down her chest and wrapped around her ears. And and this was ready for an outdoor uh, entertainment event, and I was like, "Wow, I mean, that's going a little bit extreme." Well, like I said, Whatever, once I got dude, back to the boat, I'd, I'd I realized it. If I get on a plane, I'm putting on a fucking hazmat suit <laughs> and a full, and a full like you know, Resident Evil uh, ventilator. <laughs> you're gonna look like a, you're gonna look like the stay, stay puff doughboy. Uh, all right, hey, let's let's move on. All right, recommendations. Um, this one uh, isn't gonna help you out at all, bro. Have you looked to see it? my recommendation? No, I don't know what you're even talking about. It, it's tea tree shampoo. <laughs> uh, it's, bar- it's barely helping I love this you. stuff. That, hey, it's not meant to grow hair back, but you got to have some to use it in the first place. And I have, a, I have just a little bit. 
So anyway, um, yeah, I've used this before, and then I, I kind of skipped it for a long, long time. And you know, if you if you have any sort of dry scalp or whatever, it just, even if you don't, it's it's a very tingly, invigorating shampoo. I just I really love it. I started using it again, and I forgot how much how enjoyable it was for a simple T- task. Tingly, like tingly, and invigorating. They just go. got dropped. All right, cool. <laughs> um, so my recommendation, I'm not a big reader. Uh, I do, I read, uh, you know, trading books and dorky things like that with the market, but I don't ever really pick up a random book about right. nonsense. So, but this book got that recommend to me, it's called The Book of Life by Jay Krishnamurti. And it's, it says daily meditations. Right, hold, hold, hold on, hold that up there again. I think it, the reflection tilted a little bit. So we can see it. There you go. All right. There it's just go. a lot of white. All yeah. right. That's cool. And so, I mean, it says daily meditations, but it's not really a meditation thing. It's just like a daily, I don't know, saying or sort of short story about life. And I don't know, as I age and have kids, I'm starting to be weird with this kind of stuff. So um, it's a good self-reflection book, I guess, if you're into that stuff. Um, gotcha. And so... And it has like a story for each day. So January 10th, 11th, 12th, you put open up and whatever. So uh, I got it from a podcast, Naval, which I follow. And so I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a worthy order. It's like 12 bucks on Amazon and we'll put the, we'll put the link in the show notes, but that's, all right. that's all Easy I have enough. this week. Yep. All right. On that note, um, Hey guys, we, uh, men and women, I shouldn't say just guys. I hate using that, that phrase. All right. So anyway, advisors, thanks for listening. Certainly like subscribe, give us a call. <laughs> Ask me about calendar year returns. <laughs> uh, anyway. Ask, ask Jeff note, how we did last year. Yeah, exactly. How do we do? Freaking wonderful. Right. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that said, we're out. Thanks a lot See for you. listening. And we'll talk to you next time. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Potomac Fund Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. 